2: The Telegraph. the
1: Telegraph Podcasts
2: Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Telegraph Rugby Podcast. I'm Ben Coles, and I'm joined as always by Charlie Morgan. Hi pal. And also by Charles Richardson. Hello. Today we'll be looking back at a thrilling Saturday afternoon at Twickenham as England fought back to draw with the All Blacks. We'll also get stuck into a huge win for Georgia over Wales and speak to one of the men responsible for that win, the former Cardiff Blues skipper Paul Tito, who is now working as an assistant coach with the Georgians. And we'll round up the best of the action around Europe and get stuck into the World Rugby Awards too. Guys, let's start with England's pretty incredible comeback against New Zealand. A astonishing scenes from twenty-five-six down, going into the last ten minutes. It was remarkable, wasn't it, Charlie? If you
1: thought England were a team hard to gauge before the weekend, it just got more murky, didn't it? It's it's so it's difficult to know anything new to write about them. Equally, they just keep surprising us all the time because that was the first the first half of that they were they were inferior. There's a moment on the half-hour mark where they tried to maul New Zealand. Jason Ryan's influence really start Massive maul stop, scrum penalty to New Zealand. And at that point, because New Zealand's backs were going so well as well, it was like, there's nowhere to go for this England side. And then that remarkable final 10
0: minutes. (laughs) insane. Charles, should he have kicked it out? Yes. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. And I think I might be in the minority here, and I'm sorry, but I think that from where they were, At the end, that felt like a win. That felt like a win for England and it felt like a loss for New Zealand and I think they were right to cash in their chips. I appreciate that when there was nothing riding on it, it might have been good experience to play under that sort of pressure, but they'll be going into the South Africa test suite now on the back of what feels like a win, even if it wasn't quite a win on the scoreboard. That's a
1: good point. But but They rode that momentum a little bit, didn't they? But would there have been even more? I think almost a positive for England is that friction that you had on both sides of Marcus Smith. You had Henry Slade absolutely ready to go, been amazing um, in that cameo from the bench. You had a polar equally mixed up till the last 10 minutes and phenomenal in that last 10 minutes, he was ready to go as well. So I actually like that sense that there is a bit of friction, a bit of, um, there's a bit of spikiness there that a few of them clearly had a lot of belief about, about getting that last try too. Um, that's progress for me, uh, even though, It's the kind of thing that Antipodeans absolutely laugh their heads off about British people, isn't it? I had a WhatsApp group going, are you going to... Do people celebrate this draw like they celebrated the Cricket World Cup final? Yes, (laughs) 100%.
2: It's a massive achievement and we're very proud of it. Um, Paul Tito is going to join us in in this episode, the Georgia assistant coach, former Cardiff Blues captain. Huge win for Georgia in Cardiff. Very, very troubling for Wales, isn't it, Charles? Slightly concerning.
0: Very troubling because they were really quite tragic in terms of their performance. And obviously today I'm sporting... Uh, a top in in um, in homage to Tourniquet Jalagonia. Yeah, Georgia, a lovely beer. It's lovely beer. On. It's training yeah. top on in 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 homage and uh, in tribute to the the Georgian number eight who had a an absolute barnstorming game. And yeah, Wales were. I mean, w- w- bright sparks for Wales. Jack Morgan was okay on the back row. Josh Adams did some. Good bits that Josh. I mean, Adams you don't does. need to dress it up too much. No, Sam, I mean Sam about, Costello's going to be a star. Sam Costello's going to be start. a star. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- I mean, it was it, it was just so so deflating watching watching that game. I mean, at fifty five minutes. I think Wales won an off the top line out midfield. There were I, I can't remember what the score was, but it was obviously close because it was close for the whole game and and it went straight to Priestland at ten and he just puts a high bomb up onto the onto the Wales, onto the Georgia twenty two and it was like mm, come on, they must have more than that.
1: It's really interesting. The first thing um, first thing we hear now about about Georgia is the, the progress that their back, backs are making. They've got some mm. stars there. Nini Aushvili at, at 15 is just yeah. a phenomenal, Gun. phenomenal player. Um, but also quite nice and quite snug that those three super aggressive scrums um, carved out the result. Because the one in there in Coffin Corner, as it were, that sort of uh, back in the right of their own 22, <laughs> was was scary Monstrous and then, the, right and then it just got and it just kind of elevated from
2: there I thought I thought Nice and Snug was about Nini Ashville then and I was like oh yeah me too that's, that's quite nice and complimentary yeah. and finally this weekend we will wrap up the best of the weekend's action we'll do our, our favourite regular segment of where was Charles Richardson this weekend Dublin you are you are a busy man travelling wise mm-hmm. this autumn and we'll also have a look at the World Rugby Awards as well after they took place last night in Monaco Let's dive more then into England's uh, absurd comeback against New Zealand. That's the only way I can sort of describe it. I, I I, personally watched back the final 10 minutes on Sunday morning and was actively annoyed with England for just being this ridiculous side who were terrible for a long period and then were fantastic. And you do just wonder whether it's going to be possible for them to play that way for 18 minutes. And Charlie, you really, really hope it is because they were great, weren't
1: they? Yeah, they kind of threw the shackles off, didn't they? And, and went wide to wide with those... Three distributors with Henry Slade um, replacing Manu Tuilagi before that bizarrely had gone wrong in so many different ways. Um, the lineout kind of Jones had had pressure on Toji by saying he's got to be good because of the back row we picked with Simmons there um, as a six, um, and it wasn't. Uh, the first try came from that from that interception, obviously, but that was quite clever from Papali'i. He, he just was tracking the Toji, and when Toji went over the fifteen metre, he knew it was safe to keep going. Um, the short range. Um, issues just bizarrely um continue they had before before they went um 19 points from three entries at the end um they had three points from nine entries I mean, which that kind' of, is terrible which, which kind of points a picture of paints a picture of quite nice, fluid stuff up to the Opposition 22, and then just really running out of ideas, but also just so many different errors. There was um, Itoji l- latching onto Manu Tulagi for a pick-and-go in the second half and collapsing, easy breakdown penalty. And with against a side like New Zealand, who've got stars like Ardi Surveyor, you don't need to be making avoidable errors because you're going to have forced errors as well. Ardy Surveyor got a big jackal turnover in a separate kind of 22 entry. So, yeah, just you, you don't know whether... England to click one day and absolutely start thrashing teams or whether these are terminal faults that need that need big selection takes mean, uh, to
0: change. It is becoming their Achilles heel, this, this 22 thing, isn't it? We've, we've chatted before about this. But then even even on Saturday, even in those last 10 minutes on Saturday when they were at their fluid, coast-to-coast best, when they were cutting through New Zealand, th- when they got to the 22, there was still that little bit almost of stage fright. It's got to be a psychological it? thing yeah. as well, you're right. It, no, it really is because, I mean, they went... 80 metres on two occasions, or 70 metres on two occasions against New Zealand, David Ribbons throwing the offload of the century at Twickenham, and then even getting over the line, it required two quite clumsy finishes by your replacement tighthead to get you over the line, one of which, well, was a try but just <laughs>
1: it was given it was Sweet. given and that's what counts the, the first ever squeeze ball try speaking yeah. of,
0: um, of
2: slightly dodgy finishes let's actually hear from the man himself Will Stewart because he spoke afterwards about how he was due to be going in for a bit of extra finishing training on Monday morning
0: yeah it was just good to uh, come on I think all the lads who came on what a big impact um, and it's great to be part of like a momentum swing like that you can feel it it's just, like exciting um, I nearly botched that first try completely. I, Eddie said I need to sort out my uh, my finishing drill, so I might be doing some of the wingers <laughs> next week. Um, but yeah, just uh, had quite a few uh, family members down as well, so um, yeah, it was a, a special of yeah.
2: them. That was Will Stewart talking about how he needs to do a bit more practice on his on his finishing. Uh, in terms of New Zealand, I feel like we should touch on them. They really were just superb in that first half, in particular the way. They continually targeted Jack Noel with those crossfield bombs. I think there were four in the first 19 minutes. They were just relentless with that tactic. And then, actually, how that kicking game came into effect again for the Rico Ioanni try, which I've got to say, seen quite a few tries it took in him. That is right in the top bucket, top three. It was, it was just perfect. Everything about it, from the way Caleb Clark cut in, from the way they hit the space, and the way
1: Yuani ran down the touchline, I loved it. Yeah. They were really good, weren't they, Charlie? Really good. That, we, we kind of. Um Highlighted before the game, how Joe Schmidt sort of maybe simplified their attacking game a bit, really direct, and actually that was um, laying the foundation for that kicking game. And Eddie Jones kind of highlighted this afterwards. If you've got a centre partnership like Jordy Barrett and Rico Yuani. You've got to get narrow because if you don't get narrow, you're having one-on-ones against those guys. You're losing the gain line um, from from their first possession. I think there was um, an inside ball from De Groot to, jo- jo- to Josh Barrett. He's one of the one of the. <laughs> so guys, he's He's a fake. He's a fake Barrett. So, to Scott Barrett, who uh, crossed the gain line into an Ardy surveyor pick and go. Smash Mouth football again, isn't it? Oh, then? it's back. Um, it's, it's back, back, it's back! But then when they have that, their variety is such now they've got those big dynamic athletes punching holes and they've also got the ability to go to more big dynamic athletes like I mean, Caleb Clark. That's, I think it might be the first time I've seen him live and that's a kind of startling um, experience because, wow, he's, he's cool to watch.
2: When yeah. Bode Barrett knocked over that job goal to make it 25-6, Will Greenwood was sat next to me, our columnist, and he said... They're just rubbing salt in the wound at this point because it just seems so clear that they were going to win this game by a mile. I thought Mark Talia actually was great on the right wing. Warren Gatland last week in his column mentioned that he's an excellent defensive winger. In fact, one of the best that Gatland said he'd ever seen. And that really showed because he had, he had a turnover penalty, but he was also so solid under the high ball and in defence I, I in so many ways. I just cannot believe that New Zealand have lost this test and yet it doesn't feel like like a... They've drawn it, Ben. Sorry, but it feels like they've lost it, doesn't it? it? Yeah. I I keep looking at it and thinking, I can't believe they've lost this.
0: They haven't lost it, they've drawn it. I mean, do they wish that they hadn't have kicked that drop goal in the end? I mean, I know hindsight's Mm. a wonderful thing but would you have played through some phases? They had the penalty advantage, played through some phases, run the clock down a little bit more, seen what what came of it and then maybe just taking the three. I mean, you can knock off another 60 seconds with a kick at goal. Giant c uh, New
1: Zealand hit drop goal, isn't it? Because you yeah, normally, it's such a, such a sweet mentality. strike as well. You, it never looked like it was going to miss. yuani speaking of him, he was, I mean, he, how spiky is he on the field? He was always, mm. always sledging to kind of, and sure you can back it up when you, when you're running at 33, try 33 test tries now at 25, I think but oh, he said it. afterwards. Yeah, I think he said afterwards, um, that if Richie Moana is playing against the side who are down to fourteen, who have, don't have a specialist scrum half because TJ Perenara has done his Achilles, there's no way they're kicking the ball out. And it's just interesting. It's I think it's just a part of England's development. And to be honest, if you're them, are you going to have? I know they've gone, they've gone three tries in, in ten minutes. But are you going to have? Total faith in your phase play, given how the the whole year's gone so far. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And let's, also, let's... how
0: deflating would it have been to have lost that after all that? Mm. You know, to have mm. to have with, with how sort of toss of a coin some breakdown penalties can be nowadays. You know, you could have got to the ten meter line. There could have been a, a bit of a neck roll, a side entry. It's a bit borderline that 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 Mattia Rinaldi goes. Goes gives towards New Zealand and then you've lost the game and how deflating would that have been after all that? Charles, what you're saying is all far
2: too sensible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish they'd gone for it. I, I keep thinking about it because yeah. Iwani in the same quote says it's different mindsets, yeah. i.e. we would have gone for it yeah. and Foster said the same. And uh, And I know that it's nice to have momentum and a bit of confidence going into the South Africa game but it's a one-off test match. It's not like there's a title on the line here. It's not like there's a World Cup on the line. It's a chance
1: for you to just test yourself under pressure and see if you can do it. It's so often Antipodean sides, you know, how many, how many how often do you watch the end of the game where Australia or New Zealand just back themselves, just have that conviction to roll the dice one more time? And sure, it must not come off for them every time. No, but no. It's, and it's a self-perpetuating thing. I think. I think England will get there. I think England will get there. Do you think? I mean, I don't think Mark Smith kicks the ball off. his playing for Harlequins?
2: Do you reckon? He, do you reckon definitely. as he did it, he was thinking in his head, "I don't want to do this." Because as as he, we know he made the call. It. Was, it, what, was it Ben Youngs? It was really well. The way explained, Ben Youngs was talking it? about mm. it, Ben Youngs actually went into great depth, and he said that because they'd lost, I think Freddie Stewart and Owen Farrell to the ruck to win the to win the restart back, he was he was saying, "We didn't have all of our." playmakers, and we were right in the middle of the pitch, so if you go left or right, the the numbers aren't quite there to sort of attack Mm. and stretch. Yeah, okay, it all makes a lot of sense.
1: I just, I don't know, I wanted to see it. There was a little, and I'd look back, Amazon didn't capture it, there was a little conflab while they were looping through a couple of replays of of Will Stewart's second try. Um, Farrell actually had gone back behind halfway and then went back forward to um, Marcus Smith, Mako Vinopola, interestingly, was was certainly vocal as well. So they would, and we we hear a lot actually about how um, Mako is a big um, in game leader for England. So I think that those were the guys who were met who were met, having the conversations.
0: And how good was he off the bench? F- phenomenal, so phenomenal. so good.
1: Um, he's just a footballer, isn't he? And, and that's where him and him and Genji actually offer that little bit of little bit of different I'm not saying Genji isn't isn't a footballer, but Genji, you've got that real. Real ferocity in the, carry, in the carry, whereas Macho's probably lost a little bit of that ferocity in the carry. But uh you know, you've got to be watching guys either side of him mm. for the tip and for the pullback as well. So it's almost like all options are on with Macau. He looks so energized. Just yeah, two, two
2: more things to finish this chat on. Um, with, uh, Charles, and with Charles, I'll come to you first on this. And um, Jack Van Portfleet, tough afternoon. The intercept under loads of breakdown pressure. One interesting point that we heard over the ref, Mike, was Farrell was saying to Matthew Ray now, can you please be a bit louder and a bit clearer about when the ball is out of the ruck? Because that was what led to Dan Portflink getting poached at one point. Um, next week, do you think he will start against South Africa and should England stick
0: with him? England should definitely stick with him. Do I think he'll start? I'm not sure is the answer to that, but I think for definite he'll still be in the in the 23. They might considering South Africa's tighter game, they might go with, with the sort of box-kicking expertise of Ben Youngs. I mean, Van Portfleet's an excellent kicking 9-2, kicking but they might start the experience of Youngs first, bring, bring Van Portfleet off the bench. I, I still think he'll be in and around the squad. He actually got... Yeah, he didn't have his greatest game, um, Van Portfleet, but there was there was one ruck call that was very, very harsh on him from, from Mathieu Reynal, who had an, an otherwise fine game. But... Uh, yeah, it was a tough day at the office for him, but I, you've, they've got to stick with him. There was there was an arm round him from Eddie Jones at the end of the game, it looked like. It, I don't think he's going to be having the, the Lazowski treatment, I really don't.
1: Never been less worried about a young player than I am about how he reacts to this. They're actually, interesting story, first start for Leicester or first appearance for Leicester first team against Sale 2020-2019. Got um, charged down, Sale scored, Sale pumped Leicester. Um, yeah, it's, it's worked out all right for him since.
2: The Lazowski treatment, that is... Brutal, Charles. That might be a title for the episode. Um, fi- And finally, with Marcus Smith, can and will we see him play like that all the time for England? Or is that just too much to ask? Is it just a response to adversity on the scoreboard? Or actually, is that the way forward?
1: There were little signs of it throughout the game. and that, And it was building clearly on what England were trying to do against Japan. So if you watch sometimes when they get a ruck kind of, either centrally to the field or at least on the 15-metre line. Farrell will set up first receiver with kind of forwards around him and he'll have Smith in that second receiver role. And when he's getting the ball there, people are going, why is he getting the ball so so deep? A few times, Smith is bolting out of that structure, down a short side and being flat. I think England really want him to keep doing that. He tried against Japan when um, he tried to throw that um, ball over Nagare and got intercepted. That worked. for that. So the first um, passage of England attack, they did that and he got that ball away to May, who got on the outside of Talia, and then they've got a big gain line, mm. um, England. So I think um seeing the kind of seeing it suggested that it was Farrell's injury that kind of forced him to take be more assertive. I think the idea has always been for him to be assertive with England and um and that and I think to do that in that situation is a measure of, of Marcus Smith.
0: Warren Gatland writing in our newspaper this morning said that he th- he thought that Smith cake- taking on the kicking duties is what is what sort of increased his confidence, and I think I think he he might he might have a point there. You know, you know, um, when Warren was coach of Wales, they had Dan Bigger kicking out of hand doing the the fly half duties, but they they still had Lee Halfpenny kicking goals because he's a world class goal kicker. For the Lions in 2017, they had Johnny Sexton at ten kicking out of hand, and then Owen, Owen Farrell at twelve kicking for goals because he's a world class goal kicker. There's a similar dynamic here with England. Maybe the answer is that Marcus Smith kicks off and kicks for touch. Owen Farrell kicks for goal just because of how excellent he is in that area because as a fly half, kicking is such an innate part of your game that t- to have that stripped away from you it-, it might feel a bit you know, alien to you, Th- that is something that is an area, almost like a comfort blanket where if things aren't going so well, a good kick to the corner suddenly does, does sort of loads loads and loads and loads bucket loads for your confidence mm. and, and, and that can translate into other areas of the game and, and I think that actually that was a really smart point from Warren Gatlin this morning Joan said it was Smith's
2: best 40 minutes of Test Rugby that second half I think and also that he likes it when he's aggressive so bring it on more of it the better Let's look ahead to England's game against South Africa this weekend at Twickenham a nice big Finish to the year for England and South Africa as well it 's going to be an incredibly physical game, Charles. You had a close eye on their win over Italy at the weekend. What did you make of them? It sounds like they uh, they
0: really turned it on in the second half they really did second half they were they were fantastic, really, really strong, and they got Ve into the game as the second playmaker. Um, Demian Villalemsa was forced to walk, w- move out onto the wing after Cheslin Colby, um, I think, did his hamstring as he scored the try, um, as he scored his fat, phenomenal try. Oh, the it was an amazing try, yeah. Fantastic try. Um, and, and then Manny Libut came on at 10, and and they looked really good with, as the dual playmaker. Vili LaRue, OK, might have lost a yard of pace, pace he's getting old, um, but he really offered them a, a lot more in terms of creativity and width, and... Um, to, to to sort of bring their their bigger strike runners into the game out wide. First half they look rattled though. They look rattled like they did in the first half against France and, and Italy. Italy looked like that. They looked like there could be a shock on the cards. But I mean, how how big a game is it now this weekend for for both England and South Africa in terms of in terms of the landscape of their autumn? Because one of those two teams is only going to have won one game this autumn, unless well no, even if they draw, one of those teams is only going to have won one game this autumn, and it's going to be against either. Italy or Japan. So one of those two teams is looking at losses across the board except for against re- um, sort of comparatively speaking, minnows. But I thought England beat
2: New Zealand on Saturday, or is that just my just my my yeah, brain just playing your tricks? Brain. Just my brain playing tricks on me. Um should I'm just fine. clarify that because this falls this game falls out of the release window for November, South Africa will not have a lot of their European-based players available for selection. So that includes Cheslin Kolbe, Andre Esther Vincent Koch, Trevor Niacani, Kobus Reinick and Jasper Visa of Leicester as well. It doesn't affect the Japanese-based players because the Jap- Japanese season hasn't started yet. That doesn't start until next month. So that's quite a large contingent of players that the Springboks are going to be without and that certainly might have a bit a bit of an effect but even so, the big hitters are coming aren't they? Mm-hmm. Etzebeth, Khaleesi, all those guys. Charlie... To win this game, this final test of the year, what would it mean for England after a fairly up and down year? Probably summed up by the fact that they've won one, lost one and drawn one in this November series so far.
1: Yeah, but as we keep saying, a year where England have, have been treading water. I think for both previous, you've got obviously another rematch from the from the last World Cup final, even though they've played kind of in the interim. But And as much as... It's a bit silly to be talking about World Cup cycles as a whole, especially when you consider where South Africa came from to win the last one. It feels significant as far as either of these sides going into World Cup year with a little bit of momentum. would be a huge result for South Africa. would be a huge psychological blow for England to lose to a team, given that they've lost those players. There's no Dwayne Vermeulen either, obviously. He's just not selected. Um, so, yeah, sig- significant, I'd say. Um, Mario you gave quite an interesting answer as to um, what he expects from South Africa, and he's just said, the same as their very first international <laughs> game ever, <laughs> which is going to be breakdown pressure, line speed, a good kicking game, pressure everywhere, effectively, big pressure on the line big pressure on the scrum. Um, I think in the second half against Italy, we saw a little bit of an expansion, didn't we? Vili uh, Leroux is just such an important player for them, and as you say, Manny Lebock was class off the bench. That zip on his distribution mm. Looked like it gave He, he looked
0: like um, he looked like he'd been around for twenty tests. Yeah, he I mean, really assured. He must be close to the starting jersey. It took him. Yeah, it took him in the ring. He really, yeah. really and, must be.
1: And if and if South Africa has have those blend of threats. I think it's going to be really, really tough, no matter who they're playing. His opposite
0: number this weekend. I mean, how how significant a game is it for Marcus Smith as well against South Africa? Because it, it, the, the equivalent game last year was sort of his coming of age yeah. match on the on the international stage, wasn't it? How he ran those those last five minutes, last five ten minutes for England against South Africa, and obviously they won that game. For him to sort of not not take the game by the scruff of the neck this weekend, it might, comparatively speaking, seem a bit sort of. A couple of steps back?
1: Yeah, well, it's been a fascinating year, hasn't it? And I think Jones has been criticised for picking players and not quite managing to kind of develop their careers. If you think about Ollie Lawrence, if you think about Ben he's stuck with Marcus Smith, and it was a significant selection, I think, to keep mm. him starting for the last game. And I think Smith rewarded him. Um I think if if we want a real I think England will kick more they haven't been kicking that much this autumn because they've been trying to kind of clearly trying to develop this phase play knowing because because Jones is kind of I think in his head he, he thinks that the next World Cup is going to be about a little bit more about possession or at least being able to play that way um but I hope that they stick with that and they try and kind of get around the the we don't know what the weather forecast is yet but if we can if they can outflank that new um, South Africa blitz or they or they Try to do that. I think that would be a really interesting kind of clash of styles as well.
2: Mm. Yeah, Novi Milan's a good point because we see Novi Milan, no visas. So what would they do at number eight? With a go with Quagga, yeah. will they give Evan Ruse a go. There's a lot of excitement about him in South Africa as well. So there's a selection debate there. It's
1: really funny, isn't it? They lost two tight heads. They'll be sweet. Oh yeah, <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> they've, it. Lo- they've lost three excellent number eights. Be sweet. That's not
2: an issue. Yeah, that's going to be fine. Not be
0: underestimated.
2: One, one thing we, d- well, if Eddie Jones is, is true to his word, one thing we do know will happen with England is that they will go back to three lineout jumpers because he said that as much post-match after the win against New Zealand. This is a game where England wants to compete in the lineout and they want to be able to give South Africa a good test there. So, are we, are we expecting Marrow back to six? David Ribbons for a start after his uh, off- you said offload of the century earlier. That offload keeps Must getting top much. billing. And and all of it sounds fairly
0: accurate. Like I, yeah. I can't really dispute. I think it was a surprise, the wasn't it? It that was. was it was completely out of nowhere, wasn't it? Well, as in, you, you know, we've all watched David Ribbons play a lot, and I was ecstatic to see him get called up, and I'm ecstatic to see him included. But I don't think any of us really, in our heart of hearts, um, thought that he had that in him, or 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 expected to see that from him uh, off the bench against New Zealand in such a clutch moment
1: Will Hobbs on Twitter Dave Ribbons offloads the most outrageously skillful pass by an England player this millennium discuss you can have it you can have it can't think of another one
2: certainly by a forward yeah I'll I'll take it I'll take it yeah it could be a big week for uh, Somerset West in the uh, Western Capes David Ribbons against his uh, against his country we have got a couple of questions on the England selection so I should get into them is the England back row quietly becoming an issue with Lords sidelined indefinitely and Vuna Pola looking a shadow of his 2019 best. The balance seems off. Surely the jackal threat of Jack Willis over a third lineout specialist and Don Brandt or Jack Mercer, Jack Mercer or Zach Mercer offer more dynamism at number eight. And that's a question from Matt. Is the back row balance a little bit confusing at the moment?
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's almost as if they've got a bit tangled with it. Um, I mean, I think I've, I think I flagged this last week, Charles, but you asked Eddie the question direct whether why why isn't he going back to Curry at, at six and using him as a kind of an out-and-out blindside flanker, using him more in the line-out. That was an area. The line-out was just a bit messy, wasn't it, mm. um, for England on, on Saturday. So they were clearly used to playing with a jumper at six and, and maybe it's just a familiar, familiarity thing that they go back there. Um, shows how important Courtney Laws has been for them. Um I think if you think about Jack Willis, if if you want your players to, if you want as many elite skill sets on, and skill sets such a grim term, isn't it? But if you want many elite kind of super strengths, and that's another grim term, on the pitch at once, his jackling really counts as that because mm. it really is elite. Um, yeah, it is. Um, and it's an interesting kind of another is another question we got is it that is is Curry kind of he, he came to life in that last kind of. Quarter really even mm. before even before that last ten minutes, but he has been has been reasonably quiet and whether yeah. that isn't again whether that's just the moving parts of the back row whether he hasn't hasn't got Sam underhill there hasn't got um lewis Ludlam there who's be who's who's combined well with in the past it's an interesting time because as much as um Jones build um new zealand's back row as as a acid test. This week's not going to get much easier. No.
0: no, and I mean the balance does feel slightly off. But I think ironically, this week might be the time to actually leave Willis alone and leave him out, and actually go with the three locks because you're going to need that extra weight. You're going to need that extra line out presence against South Africa, um, especially with everything that they bring. They like picking, Mostert at six. They like often going with with three locks, um, and especially with Steph toy also out. You know, there's a good chance that they that they will come with three locks, and and you have to, you have to match that. I think and. And yeah, the, the balance has been slightly off. And you're right, Curry has been quiet. I mean, I think I still think that Jack Willis should have a place in that in that out and out England starting fifteen. I, I don't think this week is the week for him and for that and to, and to chuck him in. But yeah, blindside has perennially been been a bit of an issue. I think I think Freddie Jones. I think the, the, the Curry Underhill uh, partnership. There was stability there. There was a great balance with Billy Vunapola. I mean, Courtney Laws no matter how well he played and yes he was captain he it did seem like he was a stopgap six and that and he did seem like a lock and it did seem like they were just playing a lock at six so the back row balance not quite there post 2019 and time running out to get it right ahead of 2023 Simon
1: Dixon asked the question about Curry really interesting someone like um what they give for someone like Ted Hill to come strong mm. at, to come on strong at bath um i think it really interesting just to just the last one for me to to mention Zach Mercer um, obviously can't pick him yet per regs, but it becomes available for the World Cup warm-up games and will surely have a look in. I wonder whether, if you think of um, Simmons and that, that back row that started on, 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 on Saturday, Zach Mercer probably more of an authentic line-out option than than Simmons. So Simmons-Curry, Curry, Simmons, Curry um, believe in a polar sounds spicy doesn't it whether that gets a look in one of the warm up games I'm not sure
0: you two at Twickenham what did, what did you think of, of Sam Simmons of me watching on TV and, and, and the replay I thought he was I thought he was quiet I went about his business but it's without so a, a diff- mega impact it's so mm. difficult
1: to know and to kind of for a couple of reasons one um, first time that he's played with started with Billy had any meaning for he was on at the end um, against Japan um, with Billy Vinopola but you need to build that cohesion I mean if you think about how him and Dave Ewers dovetail it's, it's Developed over years, right? And then the second thing is just how many different ways that England would shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Yeah. Really didn't kind of build any momentum in the uh, game. First
2: mean, up, particularly that they, they just played to none of their strengths. All so of their strengths S- taken. Simmons away. got
1: stripped for Yuan's um, try. That was uh, how the was um, how the turnover came about, which is a kind of a, I guess, a glaring thing that you could point to. And it, it, clearly, it things kind of looked up for England after Scott Barrett, and then Papaliti went off. So. Just a very quick question to finish this section on, on
2: the back line. Is it time for England to move on from Tuilagi and Jack Noel? I appreciate that. It's very hard to answer quickly, but Manu, uh, Manu wasn't at his best. I I'll answer it quickly. Say. No. Okay, there, there we go. go. That's I'll quick. answer it quickly. Charlie?
1: I wonder whether the key to getting um, killed two birds with one stone, potentially if the key to getting... Um, Slade, Smith, and Farrell on the pitch at the same time is maybe playing someone like Freeman on the wing. Mm. So bin have them both.
2: Jen's, like, want, Jen's likes him, doesn't him he? Freeman. Um, so wow. there's, yeah. there's every chance of that. You can, there's a, there's a way to do it. I would have Jack
0: Nolan in my England it. team. I'd have him as one of the sort of first names on the team sheet. I think he's. He, the, the England England as a, as a as a back division got caught out with these crossfield kicks they were defending too now yeah, i don't think you can pin it on wasn't Null. just Null. no there was
1: one over to there was one no. over to Mays wing and actually for the mm. try for Ioane's try the two wider guy widest guys in that defensive front line um uh, manatu lagging and bit so it's clearly something that's been identified on the field and gone spontaneously from new zealand which is they were stretching um they were stretching um england with running exits all game so going across their own 22 because mm. that's a decent way to go against England if you're going to stretch them last. But is this a
0: technical fault? Because we saw against Argentina that that, that gorgeous first phase try where they completely tore England to shreds. The how narrow and how tight England were defending. Like Jack Noel was the, except for Freddie Stewart who was way out wide. Jack Noel was the last defender and he was on level with the posts. He was in line with the posts. Is this is this a, is this endemic? Is is this?
1: I think that's what you potentially have to do if you've got Smith and Farrell there at ten twelve. That you've got it. You've got a bunch to kind of make sure that that um, channel is reinforced. Mm. And that's just, you know, they're going to be, as, as Joan said again, actually before the New Zealand game, um, every side are going to have to make compromises somewhere. So that, that's what England, and teams are kind of, teams are, are looking at it for sure.
2: Watch out for plenty of crossfield kicks potentially this weekend if South Africa follow that template pretty closely. Georgia picked up arguably the best result in their history over the weekend, coming from behind to beat Wales 13-12 at the Principality. And I'm delighted to say we're joined now by Paul Tito, the former Cardiff Blues captain, who is part of the Georgian coaching setup. Paul, you've had a, a busy couple of days. Congratulations on a, an amazing win. How was it?
3: Yeah, it's been a it's been an awesome week here in Cardiff. Um, obviously, it's been a bit of time here uh, as a player, and always great to come back to a great city. And uh, to take on the Welsh uh, at the Principi- Principality Stadium was uh, was great. And uh, to obviously pull off the victory like we did was pretty special for for Georgian uh, rugby, but also uh, Georgia as a country.
2: The, the late penalty, which proved to be the winning points. Could you watch? Did you have your eyes closed? Were you sort of fingers crossed? What were you doing?
3: <laughs> uh, I've actually watched uh, Matko uh, Growers kicking over the last uh, couple of times since I've been within the group, and he spends a lot of time out there kicking. So, you know, he's a pretty confident young kid, and, um, you know, we had a lot of confidence put him on. Played in the game because of his accuracy and his kicking. So yeah, I was pretty confident. Obviously Levan, the head coach, didn't watch, but uh yeah, I was I was there um I uh, wishful thinking and and, and praying it'd go over and, and fair fair play to the kid, he stepped up and 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 put it through the sticks.
0: And what what an introduction from those two um replacement props, Paul. Um can you tell us a little bit about them? Because obviously they came on and had, a, had an absolutely massive, massive impact on the game and, and, and embarrassed Wales really at the set piece. It's
3: interesting you say that. You know, we've actually got a couple of uh, our main tidy props are uh, not not with the squad um, in the November series. So you know, what I mean, I think we've got a fair bit to go in that space. Uh, the guys obviously that came on that did, did a really good job. Georgian are renowned for their DNA as scrum and driving line out. Um, but I think. What we've seen um, recently is the real development of the backs. Uh, they've got some class backs. Arn and, and Corey Brown, um, the, the back coaches, have done a fantastic job with the with franchise team with a black line to bring, bring the next tier of guys up. So when the guys are coming back from France into the national team, that, uh, the standard has increased uh, a lot. So the guys have done a brilliant job and, and we're seeing the benefits uh, of it now in, in, the, in the bigger stage.
2: Paul, got to ask about the just the scrummaging in general. What is it, having seen them up close, that just makes Georgian sort of forwards so good in that area? Is it all natural? Is it is it hard work? Like, how, what do you sort of put it down to?
3: Naturally, they're big boys. Um, you know, a lot of them have done wrestling as as a priority, as their main sport when they're young. Nixon, the the lucid prop that's come on and done the damage uh, in this in those last few scrums uh, has only been play, playing rugby for three years. Uh, nice. He's a beast of a man. He is impressive in the gym. He's—I've seen him bench the most that I've ever seen anyone bench uh, in my life. It's a—it's a beast. You know what I mean? The Welsh have made some late changes, and uh, they've got some pretty inexperienced front rowers that have gone on, and uh, they can't handle his strength and size. And and he's done a real job.
1: Paul, could I ask you one? Um, defence with—we with, I remember the 2020 Autumn Nations Cup, England maul Georgia. Relentlessly, I think that was a game that Jamie George scored a hat trick in it, and the sense seemed to be that kind of for emerging nations, more defenses want can be one area of disparity for them. Has that been a big focus for you?
3: Yeah, it has. I think the, uh, in the past potentially they've relied on brute strength and and, uh, and working as individuals. Uh, we've had a real focus of working as a team and and hitting it as a as a four as a front as a front four, and then. Two guys coming on behind them but just uh getting the detail of of their roles and responsibilities and just getting them to know their role so uh we're pretty pleased with the the first three uh opportunities we had but obviously they did a the welsh did a job on us they um you know they they uh they got our heads into them all and then and had had that little trick play around the front so you know i mean you sometimes you get that and uh and and it was well it was well coached from attacking point of view uh, as far as the welsh go you know, they, they, they made sure that our heads were in and then they, then they played around us.
2: So much talk, Paul, especially with England this autumn about sort of the amount of jumpers that you have in the line-out. I know we sort of saw England go back to two against New Zealand. <coughs> Eddie Jones really admitted after the game that he was going to go back to three against South Africa. It, just how much of a difference can that really make to your sort of line-out work? And, and do you sort of have to have three jumpers now or how does it work?
3: Yeah, just dictates uh, what what kind of what kind of lineouts you can actually run for your attack. Um, if you're only going to pick two main jumpers, so if you're only picking two main jumpers, potentially you're going to have mainly five-man lineouts for your for your attacking uh, for your attack. Uh, if you put um, a six-man, obviously they can um, opposition teams can do a lot of homework on you and and try and block the two main jumpers that you've got. So. Yeah, we, um, the the line out is a is a work in progress for for Georgia. Just really working on the basics of the of the jump, uh, throw and lift, and, and lifting the standards in, in that space. And hey, we're not, we're by all means uh, not not the complete package yet, but you know, come World Cup time, um, we're going to be confident of playing anyone and, and winning our ball.
0: And Paul where does this where does this obviously historic win on Saturday leave leave the sort of Georgian rugby landscape what what do you need now to to push on is it is it six, eight, 6 nations entry obviously there's been a lot of talk around that but but what do you need now what's the golden ticket for you to push on here and and, and sort of really capitalize from from a you know historic landscape changing day for Georgian rugby
3: I think Booker, the the captain's pretty been pretty outspoken about this. Um, I think we just need regular um T1 uh, games. I think we've proved that we can, we can mix it against you know the Italians and and now the Welsh and Cardiff. So, I think if we're just getting those regular games in in July and November and we're playing the top tier teams, I think at the moment that would be that would be the goal. Um, ideally, uh, being involved in the Six Nations would be great. But you know, what I mean, I don't know how far away, uh, that is down the line, but you know, I think Georgian, Georgian rugby is on the rise and it's exciting to be a part of.
2: Given your time in Cardiff, pool were you in charge of where to go for the night out on, on Saturday night and where did you take the boys? <laughs> it's a big role.
3: Uh, I had nothing to do with these young guys these days. Eh? I keep well away from them. Um, where did we go? I think this place called Flight Club or something like this. Um, sure. A new bar in town. It was pretty cool, actually. Um, most of the lads were there going large, um, and then they actually ended up in Tiger Tiger, which is uh, not as popular as it once was, but uh, nice and close to the hotel, so the old boy could sneak out the back door not too late and get back. It had actually been a big week for me, so uh yeah I'd had a few Friday nights, so um it was, uh, it was it was good to get out of there
2: Chippy Alley at two
0: a m three a m
3: chippy alley it 's a special place
0: <laughs> What time did the team finish?
3: Well, a lot of the guys actually flew out at um, one o'clock in the morning. Uh, had the bus to Heathrow at one in the morning, six in the morning. All the guys that played in France had to be back at their club uh, for Sunday. Oh. Um, so that's the you know that's the juggling act that we we have. Um, a lot we've got twenty guys in the top fourteen that are that are that are from Georgia. Not mm-hmm. all in our squad currently, but we've got a um, fair few guys playing in France. So. You know the the French team are paying their way good wages, so they they get a lot of pull on these guys. So they had to be back in camp on Sunday and rearing to go for training today. Horrible. So there would have been a few, um, yeah, no, no, there would have been a few headaches, I'm sure. So they just wouldn't but, gone to bed. Uh, it's it's life. You know, I don't think they went to bed. I saw a few of them at six in the morning. They went so so great, but you got to celebrate the um, small wins when they come your way. Definitely,
1: Paul. That's got to make you even more excited about the World Cup. You think you're juggling those juggling those commitments now we hear a lot from, from England that they're going to have time together for the World Cup, but for you guys, that's going to be an even rarer opportunity.
3: Yeah, it's exciting um, to see how far we can actually uh, go with these guys. Um, they've got, we've got the basis of a pretty settled squad. Um, like I said, we had four or five guys out that would have started for us against Wales. So, you know, we, we know we can go up a couple of levels from that. And hey, Wales will be the same. They had a few guys out as well, so... Um, you know, I mean, it's it's exciting times. Uh, I think uh, Georgian rugby is uh, is here to stay, and uh, it's exciting to see them progressing and at, at the bigger stage.
2: You touched on it there, Paul, about being back in Cardiff, and I imagine catching up with a lot of a lot of people. Was that good? And also, it, it, although you would have obviously been delighted that Georgia one was was a part of you, I don't know, maybe a bit sad for Welsh rugby to see a result like that.
3: Yeah, I've, you know, I mean, I I know quite a few guys that are tied up in the Welsh team still, and you know, you know, as a coach, it's 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 tough. You know, I mean, it's a tough ride, um, um, and and the pressure is going to be on these guys, and you know, you even see that in the press the last couple of days. You know, you always feel sorry for your 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 coaching mates because you know, in in the in the not so distant future, you know, it can turn so quickly, so. You know I mean? I've got full respect for all coaches and I'm always uh you know, I'm there for them and, and and feel and feel their pain during this time.
2: When we said we were having you on, a lot of them referred to you as a Cardiff Blues legend. How do you sort of look back on your time there?
3: Yeah, it was a great time in uh in Cardiff. Um come as a bit of an older fellow with my um partner at the time and we'd one year without kids and uh had a great time and travelled and, and did some did some uh, plenty of time at the walkabout, um, <laughs> and really had an enjoyable, enjoyable first year uh, before settling down and uh, and having kids. So I think we had a real good mix. Uh, got some great friends here, and um, currently same with some really good friends of us, uh, of ours that we that we uh, had during our time here in Cardiff. So a very special place and uh, and awesome people. Very similar to to the Kiwis. Um, you know, we had a crew that came out to our wedding. Um, you know a few welshies come out to our wedding so you know i've got some good mates and it's always good to come back and see them see how they go
0: what's the goal with georgia at the the world cup how do you how do you approach this Uh, now after having that win against wales they they're in your pool obviously is it do you look at it as a sort of win two games or do you look at it game by game or is it a right we want to get out of the group what's the sort of overarching narrative there
3: We've had a um, brief discussion as as a coaching group where where we wanted to go before the um, before the Italian game in in July. Um, potentially the potentially things have moved bit f- uh, further forward from there. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, Levan's got to say about this now. But mm. hey, I think um the thing now, like I've said to a few guys, is when we go to the World Cup now, is uh, teams aren't going to take us lightly. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to be able to rotate as many players as they potentially one, uh, once would mm. um, and they'll, ha- they'll be having to take us uh, pretty seriously because they know that um, on our day we're actually not a bad team
2: Paul, congratulations on a great win, loved watching it and, uh, and best of luck for everything ahead, hopefully we'll catch up with you in France next year.
1: Cheers Paul Cheers,
2: guys. It sounds like a very fun few days for the uh, for the Georgian camp. He he was great, wasn't he? Enjoyed yeah. doing that. And
1: yeah. why not? Yeah. And and fair play for admitting to it being dusty on <laughs> on what is an amazing uh, achievement. Don't was, fancy I mean, travelling I... to
2: Heathrow though at six a.m. on a Sunday with a very bad hangover. I've, d- no, I've done that. No sleep.
1: Bus. It was only from Bristol it was after a Bristol game to to Heathrow, and yeah bleak at the best times I guess I hadn't just been Wales
0: <laughs> and you wouldn't and you wouldn't want to meet Nika Abeladza down at our Cali by the, by the sounds sands. things from, from what Paul Tito the reserve Georgian said who came on and absolutely demolished the Welsh scrum alongside Alexandra Contellier uh, those two reserve props were out of this world They really beasts. were. they really were with
2: Wales is it is it too late to move on from Wayne Pivot now I, t- I saw a lot of comments from people saying that you know there doesn't seem to be a lot of belief in the coach and in the side pretty bad times I mean it's up there with all those famous defeats to Western Samoa and Canada and yeah.
1: Romania and all of those games it's isn't not it? too late is it it's no. not too late because South Africa have flipped the script on the um, on needing to build up to a World Cup cycle and maybe a short shot shock is what they need um, but when you're thinking back of how Wales have developed under under PIVAC and can have as many excuses as you want what you want to see is a tangible style and have something to be working towards and how many times have we said, you know, what is it that they're trying to do Wales? Well? They're, they're a phenomenal team um, with their backs to the wall as a reaction to a poor result the previous week. You'd never, ever want to face them in oh, that. But but. Yeah, but as far as kind of building through a tournament, and they should be fine. They should be fine. They're fantastic. The, the first 23, first 33 that they pick for the World Cup will be full of quality, quality players. Um That's not coming together. You say that, though, but
0: a lot of a lot of those quality players, even on Saturday, making a lot of individual errors, uncharacteristic individual errors. And how do you how do you mitigate for that? You 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 can't really, you know, just being stripped in contact. A lot of dropping easy passes, dropping high balls that they should take. I don't know if it was a mental application thing because they knew that they were playing only, only Georgia in inverted commas. But it was it was extraordinary. There was a um,
1: I think it mentioned Costello earlier. It, there was just a real a kind of fairly straightforward first phase move that Falautau dropped. And when a yeah. player like that is dropping yeah. passes like that, you're thinking something something you know something's got something's
2: We've got said all there. this, but they, they will now beat Australia because they lost to Italy, won in South Africa, they got hammered by New Zealand, beat Argentina. Lost last have weekend. The poor old Australia's Australia Australia are limping mm. into Cardiff. So yeah. I mean I, there's a this is a wider discussion to have at a LA later date, but PIVAC is really the tip of an tip of the iceberg, isn't he? Because there's so many deep rooted issues with the Welsh game in terms of funding, in terms of a lack of an independent chair. That sure you can get rid of PIVAC but it but it's a band aid, isn't it, to be honest. Mm. Just to round up, then the rest of a very busy weekend. Let's start with France, who beat Japan on Sunday
0: and finished the year unbeaten. That's pretty cool, isn't it, Charles? Mega, mega cool. And you have to say that <laughs> if you were doing, if you were doing uh, uh, trade off yeah, an, an unofficial world rugby rankings, then they're they're probably top. I would have them top. I think it's very close with Ireland. I, I will admit it's very close with Ireland, but Ireland. For the past two weekends have not exactly set the world alight either I, I i think france home world cup unbeaten year six nations grand slam they've got to be number one haven't they rankings have been zero rankings so you, been can, zero. you can have them the number one if you want i'm talking about the telegraph rugby podcast <laughs> rankings <laughs> yeah Come, yeah why not? why not you can <laughs> have them
1: there. I, I think i think ireland would be there but i mean uh, that's not to disparage what this what this how f- how kind of formidable this this France side looks depth-wise. I think Jalibert came off the bench to knee against Japan and yeah. um, will look like a point to prove every time he plays if he remains second string. I mean, missed a lot of last year but is just... Awesome to watch. Awesome. How to tasty to
0: watch. is that game at the Aviva in, in the Six Nations? Looking? Oh, yeah, massive. Really, yeah. really is going to be special. And um, they
1: tied down Sean Edwards to the next to the next World Cup, which have, is to 2027, which is very handy. They have indeed.
2: Let's jump to Dublin. Um, Chelsea were there? It yeah. was not the greatest game you've ever seen, um, no. and one incident seemed to dominate the headlines more than most afterwards. Can you can you sort of update us quickly on that and what happened?
0: So, yeah, no, it wasn't a classic. Um, it will be forgotten quickly. Ireland just about got over the line. But the incident that's dominated the headlines is is, is regarding Nick White, um, the Australia scrum half. It, it is very worrying. At the time, um, so what happened on the field, he he, um, he got boshed by Caelan Dorris in the run-up to, to Ireland's try. Flawed, really. Um, and then a few moments later, he carried the ball into contact, into three... Irish defenders and seemed to get a bang on the head and seemed to be dazed afterwards. Now he had to go off for HIA, at which he passed, felt fine. Uh, he told us afterwards in the post-match press conference that he hadn't been knocked out and that he felt fine then, no symptoms, all fine. However, we find out yesterday, reported by Tom Decent in the Sydney Morning Herald, that in fact the independent match doctor and the Australian medical team missed the second incident entirely. So, while they were reviewing the first incident and hauling Nick White off for a HIA, they hadn't actually seen the second incident of him running into three players and him stumbling about. I believe the current guidelines are that if a player is showing a Category 1 head injury, i.e. stumbling about, that they are not allowed to go back on even if they pass an HIA. I believe they're the current... Loss of balance. yeah, Yeah. I believe they're the current guidelines. So, Nick... White should not have gone back on and he has been ruled out of Australia's game in Cardiff this weekend and it does seem like a, a genuine honest mistake and it doesn't seem like there's anything untoward or cynical I- involved in this at all. But even so, I think there are still questions to be answered. Yeah,
2: it's not a great look, is it? I mean, one of the details from the game, is it true that Jack Crowley had to wear Johnny Sexton's shirt? Cause he was such a late addition to the yeah, starting yeah, line. Yeah,
0: it is. I mean, it, I mean, he was such a late addition to the starting lineup that actually the stadium announcer was announcing the teams and announced Jack Crowley's name. But, but um, Johnny Sexton's picture was shown on the, on the big screen alongside it doing the team announcement. Incredible.
2: I love, I actually love when that happens. That's brilliant. Um, over to Murrayfield, where Scotland beat Argentina in a uh, feisty game. Loads of cards. Mar- yeah. Marcus Kremer was off with an early red card. Deservedly exactly. so slightly uh, aggressive entry into a ruck. There, there was
1: there was a little time where refs were kind of saying, "Oh, bicep ahead, so only yellow." Like, these lads' biceps and kneecaps. Like, yeah, come no, on! Yeah. That's, can't, that has to be a red. It was pretty forceful. As much as a, as much as we all love watching Marcus Kremer play, fairly interesting. I know um, Argentina scored when they're down to twelve, or didn't they? Something crazy like that. Mm. But actually, for for it, if you think about how much did we used to hear, oh, come on, it can actually be quite difficult playing against fourteen men from coaches. Good to see attacks kind of backing themselves. You know, as England as England did with the Bowden Barrett yellow card at the last ten minutes. Because I wonder how often attacks train against fourteen, as opposed to you know defenses train against fifteen. Be interesting. Mm.
0: And the sass from Julian Montoya as well, the, the Argentina captain and Leicester hooker who waved off Jamie Ritchie as he was yellow-carded for his part in a bit of, bit of handbags was, was, was great to see. Uh, apparently picked up on the ref mic that, that Julian said something along the lines of it's nice to see you've done something in the game, Jamie, or something like that. That's unconfirmed, but, but a lovely bit of sass.
2: Bring on more fights in games. Yeah, yeah more, absolutely. More the They're dying. We're yeah. for it. Safe, safe fights. Bring back Julian White. But fights. Um, and also Finn Russell was great. What a shock. Yeah you yeah. knew that was coming <laughs> um, we've got to touch on Portugal as well a fantastic achievement making their first Rugby World Cup since 2007 they just love a rubber, Rugby World Cup in France it seems last time they qualified yeah. 2007 they've missed the last three now they're back uh, late penalty from Samuel Marquez the scrum half Samuel Marquez marks I've got I've got a Portuguese friend with the exact same surname she's going to kill me if I've got that wrong <laughs> his his penalty 16-0 draw win on aggregate knock out the USA USA's first missed World Cup since 95, I think, off the top of my head. Amazing scenes for Portugal. And they're in that lively group with Wales and Georgia and Australia.
1: Really fun. And, and Fiji? Um, so fun. And Fiji. and Fiji. Oh, what a group. And Fiji. Yeah. Rugby Europe Championship 2023 is interesting. And format change as well. Two, two groups of four. So I'd be really interested to see how that pans out, how they're all it, shaping up ahead of the World Cup. And
0: clearly are keen to cause some upsets. I a hammer blow to the US, though, with them with them hosting in 2027. 2031. Yeah. 2031, sorry. Nearly yeah,
2: 2027 Australia.
0: Sorry, yeah. 2031, yeah. the
2: retirement tour. Yeah. <laughs> an an in, interesting report out this morning regarding USA and 2031 with, with a report in the Sydney Morning Herald that Eddie Jones might be heading to the USA next on a potential eight-year contract through to the 2031
1: World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're laughing, I just, Charlie. I just think it's really funny. Um yeah, it just it punches, isn't it? Giving Eddie Jones an eight-year contract, I think, just and giving him that project. I just kind of joked last week about how funny it would be to see Eddie Jones coaching against England when um, when squad numbers are a thing and when he can sort of have all the smoke and mirrors he likes in in um, pre-match press conferences if he has. Can you imagine how much he'd stir it up with a real... Under- well, well he's, he's worked wonders with an underdog before in Japan, but if he does it again with somebody coming from the position um, that USA are coming from, just box office. Could be fun. I, yeah.
2: I, I, I'm, all, I'm all for it. It's one of those career moves that you sort of just applaud, really. Okay, to wrap up this week, let's focus on the World Rugby Awards, which happened in Monaco. Josh van der Fleer was named Men's Player of the Year. I, I don't think too much disagreement in the room about that. or no, I could, I could awesome. be really wrong. Here we go. Charlie, happy with that?
1: Very happy with that. Just so explosive. Um, they, it looks like they kind of tried to pick players in their absolute best positions and not mucked around too much. So, mm-hmm. um, isn't a place for surveyor in the back row, Maybe a bit tough. Two England players, same has, uh, same as France have contributed is quite weird but yeah. then Stuart and Genge contributed to that um, that's the Tigers Premiership win which was a real kind of fairy tale story wasn't it so Maybe that's alright
0: I, I mean I'd have, had to, I'd have had DuPont I think for World Player of the Year With the French, with the French Grand Slam And I do think that Van der Fleer has gone Slightly off the boil As the years As he progressed I can see some, some Puzzled looks at me From across the room But I think he was excellent Against South Africa And then, and then as the autumn went on I, d- I, d- I didn't think he was that good Against Australia On, on, on Saturday night I Nobody remember, was, like it. was Worst game well, no. yeah. yeah true But I mean, I mean There were a few A few standouts Doris was very good um, I thought Matt Hansen on the wing was excellent, but I, I, yeah, I mean. Ezabeth keeps getting bin for these things, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's a bit. Uh, well, you could make a case for a lot of the French
2: players, couldn't you? I mean, maybe mm. Cyril Bay could have been in there. That's yeah, Marchand,
1: <laughs> hooker, has been
2: phenomenal for few, them. A few of those guys must have been close. I've
1: seen Ezabeth, obviously, a few times this year. He was slightly off the ball in the uh, game that South Africa lost to Australia in the rugby championship. But apart from that, has that down in Toulon when they beat Saracens and he was mammoth. And then he's just he mm. just. Every time it seems to grow into games. When he came off the, be- <laughs> came off the bench in that game yeah. against Italy, it was like it turned. You say, yeah. "I agree with you." Italy, Italy had the rattle playing some really nice stuff, um, despite being kind of inferior set piece. And Etzebeth just kind of went, "Come on."
0: Yeah, I mean, actually, it's it sort of it, it's striking now when you see him have a bad game in that first half against France. It, he was actually quite poor, Etzebeth, and, and and I was there writing my report, and I was thinking. How often do you see this? How often do you see him have a bad game? Because it's so rare. And yeah, he came off the bench against Italy and he was just phenomenal once yeah. again.
2: Shout out to New Zealand's Ruhe Demant who won the Women's Player of the Year as well for the Black Ferns. And also for Angie Kapuatsu who I think is a pod fave who Definitely. scored another belting try on the weekend. Big, Big pod fave. Another, another very, belting. very worthy winner of Breakthrough Player of the Year I think we can all say given what Definitely he's achieved this year. Right, that's it for today. Please hit the subscribe button and tell your friends and family how much of a great time you've had listening to the podcast. The three of us will be back with you next week to wrap up the end of the autumn tests and we will hear from former Wales and Lions head coach Warren Catlin. Until then, goodbye.